how can we be the strongest when we feel the most vulnerable? How can we be the most powerful when we are the most humble? And it's taken me almost five decades. You know, I'm closer to the fifth decade than I am the fourth decade, if that tells you how old I am. It's taken me this long, Kevin, to realize that real power comes in vulnerability and real power comes in humility. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. Today, we talk with Mark Tim, Amazon rock star and executive vice president of Ziggler. We just had an incredible show with Mark and Kevin Harrington of Shark Tank fame about the new Secrets of Closing the Sale Masterclass. You can hear that in show 537. We really dig into sales and their sales careers and a really epic show. But uh, you can get access to that product at zigsecrets.com slash enroll. But in this show, we talk with Mark Tim on his habits for success, going through the seven spokes of the Ziegler wheel of life. Mark was incredibly candid and really openly shared his struggles as well as the healthy habits that he employs for success. Some of the highlights he's learned not to go overboard with his tendency to be extreme uh, with exercise and nutritional strategies and commitments, but focus more on sustainability. He quit watching TV to better guard what went into his mind. He became a millionaire by age 30, then went a million dollars in debt. It took him twice as long to pay back the million as it did to make the original million. Real interesting discussion there. And he learned the hard way that he must lead with humility. And we really went deep into that issue. Hey, thanks to this sponsor of today's show. Okay, you're going to enjoy hearing this message from Mark Tim as we walk through his habits for success. Here we go. Okay, Mark, so as we've been doing these habits shows, and we've interviewed you more than once, we haven't gone through your personal daily habits for success. And so going through the Ziggler Wheel of Life here, I think I may know a few of them, but I want to hear more about you behind the scenes here. So we'll start off with the first spoke physical. What are you doing and dealing with in the physical realm of your life for success? Well, I got to tell you that uh, I, when I look back at my life, Kevin, I, it's like a, what haven't I tried? You know, so <clears throat> I've gone the whole gamut. I, I actually ran a triathlon at one point in time. And so, you know, that was a phase of my life. And then I, I decided uh, another phase of my life, I went through several years where I actually fasted every single Monday because I read a report from a doctor that said, you know, after the weekend, fast for 24 hours. And I did that for several years. And so I, I went through a fasting time. I went through a, uh, an, a highly exercised time. And what I've found is that none of those for me were ever sustainable. And so where I'm at, you know, in life is more balance. And I would say in the quest for balance, I started eating more clean. I started paying attention to more of what I was eating. And so I'm trying to eat more clean. I'm trying to eat more, you know, raw and real. And so that I saw that have an impact, but yet I couldn't go overboard. I'm, I'm disciplining myself not to go overboard in any of these areas because that's my past. My past is pick something and go overboard and it's not sustainable. So I'm eating clean and I'm exercising, but not 
triathlon exercising, just trying to do what I can. A couple times a week is all I can get in right now, and that's enough. The area that I probably failed the greatest in, in my habits was sleep. Because I always thought that's my competitive advantage on the world is I don't require much sleep. That was just a lie I told myself. That was just an excuse to work more. And I saw myself as I got older really paying the price for not sleeping. And you know now I'm trying to get more of a balance in my sleep as well. And I'm actually seeing that have a bigger impact on me personally right now. The biggest impact I'm seeing physically is actually coming from a more predictable and a more disciplined sleep pattern. But the biggest habit that I would encapsulate all of this in the physical area is just balance. Any time I've gone to any extreme, I've ended up failing and not sustainable. And then actually the whiplash, the bullwhip effect would come into place and I'd find myself right back where I was. So I think I'm on a path now of sustainability. It's not, I don't, I don't have the best exercise routine. I don't have the best eating. I don't have the best sleep. I've got balance inside of all of those that is sustainable and I find myself in probably the best spot physically that I've been in at any point even when I was running triathlon because it's a balance. Okay, I love that. You know, on the sleep thing, I got to share yesterday I did a Q&A show with Tom Ziegler and he talked about we were talking about sleep and the morning routine and he said Zig was known for they could have 100 people over there for a social event at the house but at 9:30 Zig stood up and said, "Well, don't know about you guys, but I'm going to bed. And he would. Uh, and I, I appreciate that. I need to emulate that. Well, man, the next spoke is family. And here I am asking the CEO of Ziggler family, what your habits for success are. And folks, for the show that we did with Kevin, that I should have had uh, the number in front of me, but go back there and listen to the last show that we did with Kevin on family and look for ZieglerFamily.com. But on that, I know you employ daily habits and I know that you still have struggles. So share a little bit with what's happening in the family spoke on those habits for success. Well, I, I want to go back and I just want to call it out right up front that uh, that I haven't had, you know, these these good habits around family my whole life. And, you know, I've got a 20 year old now. And so when I look back, I, I spent a lot of time with some not good habits, which means that I felt that I was providing for my family by working all these extra hours and traveling. There were times when I was traveling 150 plus days a year. And I just told myself, you know, I'm the provider. I've got to provide. And so I, I had all these excuses. But the truth is, is that you can be the provider and still lead and still be the guy, the dad that you're supposed to be and still be uh, the mom that you're supposed to be. And so what I realized was is they were just bad habits. And my bad habits were I used the excuse that I had just been traveling to walk home and not connect with my kids. And I soon found myself at a place where I could make 100 decisions confidently with confidence and clarity at work, but I couldn't make the first decision at home with that same confidence and clarity. And that didn't feel good. And so therefore... I started spiraling in the wrong direction at home because I didn't want to feel like that at home. I wanted to feel like I did at work. And so it, I, when I look back, it was just bad habits. You know, I would, I would not unplug with technology at home. Bad habit. I would not listen to my kids when I walked in the door. Bad habit. I wouldn't go talk to my wife within the first five minutes of being home. Bad habit. And so I just started looking at my world where I did feel successful and say, what were my habits there? What did I do there that worked? And I just started deploying them at home. 
and it started working. And so I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. I just said, what am I doing well over here that works? Let's do more of that at home. And next thing you know, it evolved to the point where I realized that everything I was doing at work was actually equipping me to be the dad that I was supposed to be, to be the husband I was supposed to be. And then one day I drove up my driveway and I realized all these businesses, every business that I had ever started, ever been involved with, ever been a part of, Kevin, they were just practice businesses for the most valuable business that I will ever own, operate, and that's my family. My family is the most valuable business in the world. There's no more valuable business in the entire world, more valuable than Apple, more valuable than Microsoft. My family is the most valuable business in the world. And now I lead my family as though it is the most valuable business because I've got all these other practice businesses that I go every day. When I leave my house, those are practice businesses for the most valuable business, which is the one I come home to, not the one I go to. Well, and I am a grateful recipient of what you've learned there. And uh, I, I love the Sunday meetings, family meetings you have. We have really taken that on. It may not always be Sunday, but just a consistent coming together and, and talking led by the dinner every night, no matter what. Um, uh, so mental, the next one, the mental side of Mark Tim, what are you doing to keep yourself on top mentally? Well, I'll tell you what, this is a slippery slope, okay, because what we take in, what we consume in our minds is what comes out. It's what comes out of our actions. It's what comes out in our relationships. It's what we say to other people. So I have gotten to the point where I've had to protect this greatly, which means that I'm going to go public here and say, I don't watch TV anymore. And so it doesn't mean I don't consume media. I'm just very selective about what I do consume and I filter it because it impacts me. It has a great influence on me. And so, you know, my mentor Zig Ziglar would say, you are who you are and where you are, you know, by what's gone into your mind. You can change who you are and change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. So when it comes to mental... I protect that greatly. I listen to podcasts because they're people I trust and it's a filtered you know, amount of, of content, which people who are listening to me right now are obviously listening to you know, The Ziggler Show and a podcast. And so I do the same thing. I consume content from people that I know, like, respect, whether it's through a book or whether it's through a blog, uh, their website. And so I consume a lot of content. I just filter that content to very much protect my mental well-being, because I have learned in my life that what goes into my mind is what's going to come out of me. And I am at a stage where my relationships with my kids, my relationship with my wife, my relationships with my you know, teams and my businesses matter so much to me that I'm not going to put that in jeopardy by consuming the wrong mental content. Ugh. Yes. Well, so the next one is financial and you have done well in this area in your businesses. I don't know if it was always this way, uh, but fill us in on what you're doing for the financial wellness. Uh, what are your habits here? Well, uh, I'm just going to be really vulnerable and say that, uh, you know, as a, as a young guy, before I was even 30 years old, you know, I had, you know, hit great success in business. Um, you know, I, I got very fortunate in, you know, the economy was really strong. And so, you know, literally I was on paper, I was a millionaire. And then I started thinking that I was all that and then some. And uh, next thing you know, 
you know, 9-11 hits in New York and the internet boom hits and I find myself, you know, going from, you know, having a million dollars to being a million dollars in debt. And it happened so fast. Like I couldn't believe how fast it happened. And, and that's, that's the reality that I was in. And so I had to take a very different approach financially and stop chasing, you know, some financial, you know, success out there and start measuring success very differently. And actually, that is where I started to get financial freedom was because I wasn't focused on, you know, that that element of, you know, because listen, the 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 million dollars, it took me less time to make a million dollars then it took me to pay back the million dollars when I went in debt. And so, you know, it was so much harder to get out of that hole than it was to make it the first time around. And so it, it took more than twice as long to get out of that um, situation. And so I find myself now in a very comfortable spot because I stopped focusing on the wrong things, which was focusing on how many zeros or what the number was in my bank account. And I just started focusing on doing the right thing. And then the financial side started taking care of it. But I will tell you, you know, not trying to take too big of a page out of Dave Ramsey, but obviously eliminating debt, I learned a big lesson in that equation of getting myself into a lot of debt. And so clearly I, you know, it's not that, you know, he would say that he has an allergy to debt. I don't necessarily have an allergy because I know sometimes it can be helpful in a business, but I do try to shy away from it as much as possible because it literally takes twice as much money to get out of debt than it does to, you know, to if you're not in debt. And so it's like you've got to earn $2, you know, for every dollar you pay off in debt versus if you're not in debt, that $2 you get to keep. And so, you know, so that was a lesson I learned the hard way and one that I, I built on, you know, ever since. Gosh, that's a great concept. I haven't really heard talked about that. It takes well, it took you, but I think we could, you know, looking back on my own experience, it takes twice as long to pay it back as it did to make it. That's a uh, compelling reason not to go into debt. Well, the next one, Mark is spiritual. And I know you know that faith is a priority, but walking that out, I also know doesn't come without some habits and some discipline. So tell us about the spiritual side of your days. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because again, when I look back, you know, I've had peaks and valleys in this area. And I think when I was a younger guy, when I was struggling I would look back and say, man, spiritually I was spot on because it's like I needed God. I needed God so bad that I, you know, I'm struggling. And then all of a sudden when times were good, you know, I would shy away from it. And I find I found myself in a really bad habit with that because it's like I, I wanted to flip the script completely on that and say, when times are good, I want to go all in. And, and really grow and expand my foundation so that when times are bad, that foundation has really been built. And so that's taken decades, you know, for me. In fact, uh, um, I'm actually uh, going through, Kevin, I don't know if you've gone through, Zig has a daily wisdom, you know, he has a, his daily devotional, 365 days. And my wife and I are going through that right now. And, you know, when we got to today of, of all times, you know, was talking about how, you know, there are so many of us that treat our faith as an entitlement. 
And so basically when we're blessed, it's like, yeah, we're blessed. You know, thank you. I deserve to be blessed. And then when we're not, we're like, hey, what's the deal? You know, I pray and, you know, how come I'm not being blessed here? You know, this is a this is a raw deal. And so what happens is, is that we rob ourselves of true blessing and we rob ourselves of of the journey that we should be on, which is that, hey, you know, what if we just have no expectations and say, I'm raw, I'm real, I'm faithful, I'm not in control, I know I'm not in control. And so then when, when blessings happen to us, it's like the coolest thing ever. It's like we get to open the cookie jar and instead of it being empty, it's filled with cookies because we didn't expect any cookies to be in there. So if we keep our expectation in check and the way to do that is, you know, for me, I've got to have some routines. If my wife and I don't do our daily devotion, you know, our, our Zig book in the morning, and, and we've done other ones, by the way. In fact, I sent one to you, Kevin, at one point in time, and we, we went through that with Les and Leslie. And so we're on to, to Zigs. If I skip that, I feel it. I know that I've skipped it. I know that I'm not where I need to be that day. And sometimes I find myself having to go home for lunch just to do it because I know I'm off kilter. So I need a habit in this area because it's one of the quickest things for me to lose track of if I get busy and I feel the impact. Bob Bodine, a friend of mine, has a concept of two chairs. And I do this sometimes, not as often as I'd like, but I put myself in one chair, I put God in another chair, and we just have a a conversation. And, you know, and that's, that's the way I think we're supposed to talk, you know, and is not this kind of, you know, you know, kind of Sunday morning prayer thing. I mean, just have a conversation. And when I can have a conversation, it's so funny because sometimes when I really got to pray, I go outside and I just talk and my kids think I've gone nuts. They're looking out the window going, who's dad talking to? Like, is he on the phone? And, you know, and that's the most powerful prayer time I have in my entire life is when I just go outside and talk. And, you know, now I'm a talker, you know, but, but I've had to learn these habits because without them, it's easy to stray in this area. I have definitely strayed in this area. I've definitely struggled in this area. And so I'm now grounding myself into some habits of daily, you know, connectivity. And I feel the impact when I do that. Hey, that Zig devotional, which I'll, uh, I'll pull out the title exactly and put it in the intro here is a mainstay in our home as well. Really, really value it. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. But the next one is career. And as we just talked in show 536 before this with you and Kevin Harrington, you, uh, you've had a, a, a lot of career trajectories, a lot of different things you've been involved with. But today, here you are going strong, going after different initiatives. What are the habits that you employ, the perspectives you put in place to keep your career track, your vocational track, your business track going the direction that you want? Well, I definitely have had as an entrepreneur, I mean, I I go all the way back to I was chosen to be the national FFA president, a student organization, and that put me on a trajectory of going into the corporate world. And I ended up working for Kellogg's and USA Today. And so I had a stint in the corporate side. And then I came all the way around and I had a, you know, a time where I was, you know, uh, as as a young entrepreneur and growing. And so, but when I look back and I really saw the habits of success is when I was focused on helping other people succeed. You know, when I was focused on my success, I always seemed to fall short and run into some walls. But when I started focusing on those around me, 
you know, then I went from the front lines and delegating to 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 still to pushing other people to succeed, setting them up for success and empowering them. This is the stage, you know, where all of a sudden I started finding myself being this behind the scenes leader and not having to be out in front because out in front was more about me and not about my team and other people around me. And I actually found that I am a much more successful and powerful leader behind the scene of empowering other people to be, do, and have more, to be the best that they can be, to find the talent inside of them and, and really explode that out into the world. And what ended up happening was, as a result of that, I would develop trust and loyalty amongst people that worked for me, and they would come in and they would work really hard. And this happened over time. And so, you know, so again, I, I had areas that I, I had to learn the hard way, you know, where I, I lost some employees or a business failed. And when I went back and looked at it, I realized, you know, just concretely that I wasn't leading the way that my, you know, my real skill set was meant to lead. And so for the last decade, really, I have sought, you know, with, with vigor, the idea of really leading with humility. And I would say, and I'm not just saying this, you know, I mean, it's, it's what I hear from, uh, you know, from my staff, you know, is that I've entered a stage in life where the only way I can lead is through humility, is to be a humble leader. And I think actually, you know, the whole reason that I wasn't leading from humility, Kevin, was because of fear. And I found myself like I've gotten young and I got to prove myself. And if, if I don't prove myself, people won't follow me. And so I can't be humble because that's a sign of weakness. And I remember I learned this lesson actually from my daughter. And I learned I, so many lessons I now go back and learn as a family. And there was this time that I got super vulnerable and I'm like, they can never see me cry. My kids can never see me cry because they need strength in their father. And there was this time where I, I just, I needed to really, you know, tell them sincerely apologize for something and ask for their forgiveness. And I cried and I never felt more vulnerable and more humble and more exposed in my life. And there I was completely vulnerable in front of them. And if you asked my grown children now, if you asked my 20 year old, he would go back and say that that moment in time that I, it was the strongest he's ever seen me as a father. And how can we be the strongest when we feel the most vulnerable? How can we be the most powerful when we are the most humble? And it's taken me almost five decades. You know, I'm closer to the fifth decade than I am the fourth decade, if that tells you how old I am. It's taken me this long, Kevin, to realize that real power comes in vulnerability and real power comes in humility. And so, you know, today I would say that my career success is largely hinged on my ability to keep myself in check, to get out of my own way, to empower other people, and to truly be a humble servant leader. And if I can do that, then I don't, I don't think I have to worry about what tomorrow brings or, or the day after that because I'm leading from my greatest position of strength, and that's humility. And I hope I never lose that. That's why I'm going public with it here on this podcast because anybody who's listening that knows me, that works for me, that works with me, 
feel free to hold me accountable to that, including my kids and my family and my wife, because I mean it. Well, and I've seen that in your life, and now you've brought so many people in that you give yourself accountability to. I can't imagine you ever falling from that stature. That is a great testimony that uh, incredibly is inspiring to me, Mark. Thank you immensely uh, for that humility and sharing that. Well, the last spoke here is personal and that things that you do just for Mark, uh, maybe what's fun. What, uh, is a, is a hobby. I don't even know these things. I'm curious to hear <laughs> what does Mark do just for you, just personally? Well, uh, I don't know if this is a hobby, but it's just where I'm at in life. You know, I've, I've golfed and, and I enjoy golf and I've fished and I enjoy fishing and I've done all kinds of outdoor activities. But right now, at this very stage of my life, as I'm losing these teenagers, I'm sending them out into the world, and, and two of them have already left our home, and they're pursuing their passions and dreams, and, and more are yet to go. So I find myself right now that when I have spare time, and I can do anything in life that I want to do, that money is not an object, time is not an object, what I most desire is quality conversation. The thing that I most seek and try to, to, to get when I'm able to do anything with spare margin and, and, like I said, cost is not an issue, time is not an issue, I seek and desire quality conversation. Really connecting in a conversation with one of my kids, with my wife, with a friend, um, you know, with, uh, you know, with, with just, just strengthening those relationships, that's where I'm at. Now I'm sure when the kids are gone, you know, Ann and I will probably, uh, she said she's going to take up golf so that she can play golf with me. Um, we'll probably do more travels, but at this very stage when I've got four kids left in the house and, and in four years, they won't be there. Quality conversation is what I most want. And, and I'm trying to make sure that that is, you know, that in all my relationships, that it's not conditional, that, you know, that, that it doesn't have to be a quick pro quo in every conversation. It can be all about them. And, you know, sometimes it could be about me, that it's just, it's just that quality connection, that quality conversation. And I will say also that, you know, personally, on a personal n nature, that we all experience hurts. Sometimes people hurt us and sometimes we hurt other people. And, you know, one of the things I've really tried to discipline myself on personally is that when I'm hurt, you know, that holding on to that hurt is actually the only way that it can hurt me. And so I've gotten to the point where I've let go of things a lot faster. I, I don't, I don't keep grudges. I try to, I try to face up, man up to things and deal with things because, you know, life's too short. I, I, you know, again, it's all part of that quality connection and that relationship. And so we're, we all get hurt and we all have hurts and we've all been hurt and sometimes we hurt other people. And so, you know, just developing that skill, skill to not let it continue to fester and turn into an infection or cancer, you know, inside of us is something that I've really sought out to do so that I can, rebuild relationships so that I can, you know, strengthen, um, you know, maybe uh, damage relationships in the past. And so, you know, and I would say to, to wrap up this whole idea of, 
of personal. And by the way, Kevin, I haven't always been the best at this. I mean, I, you know, I have to tell you some relationships, you know, disappear that were important to me because of some misunderstandings or some hurt. I just don't want to see that happen again. And so, you know, so I, I'm going to quote the words of my great grandpa, Charlie, who was such a mentor to me. You know, I, I had him in my life until I was 22 years old and I, I didn't even fully realize how impactful he was. And so much of who I am is a result of my time that I had with him. And he would always tell me, you know, Mark, keep the main thing, the main thing and everything else will work out. And, you know, I think I heard that, but I didn't understand what the main thing was. And so I've kept that tucked away. Now I'm at a stage in life where I think I know what the main thing is. And I just have to remind myself every once in a while, Grandpa Charlie said, Mark, keep the main thing, the main thing, which is focus. That, that gives me the focus. What is the main thing? It's my family. Uh, it's my faith. It's my friends. Keep the main thing, the main thing, and everything else will work out. And so, you know, so that's, I guess, how I protect myself uh, habit-wise on the personal side is just keeping the main thing, the main thing, and it seems to be working out right now. Well, so out of these seven spokes, the last one being personal, I'm going to say we checked it off because this was a quality conversation. Uh, thank you, Mark, for your humility, your vulnerability, and just being authentic uh, as a gift. And I think I, I love you that much more as a brother. So thanks for bringing this to us today, Mark. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate you, brother. So friends, what stuck with you from this talk with Mark? I honestly was really hit with the thought of how it takes twice as long to repay a debt as it takes to make the money in the first place from his experience there. That was seemed really convicting. This show was supported by this great sponsor. Well, coming up in show 539, we listen to another strong message from Zig Ziglar on sales and his stance that I don't think we can deny that everyone is in sales and that true sales is serving. So the clip is about two minutes long. And from it, I asked the question on my Agent K Miller Facebook page, what problem does your product, service, or idea solve for people? I actually posted that about three hours ago from this recording and the responses are pretty swift just coming in. Michelle Prince and I are going to talk through these. I think it's going to be a blast to go through the comments that I've already seen. Uh, Again, don't miss the most powerful resource to come along regarding sales that we are all in. And it is the new secret of closing the sale masterclass with Kevin Harrington, who's harnessing the teachings, the foundational teaching from Zig that enabled Kevin to sell $5 billion in products as the inventor of the infomercial. You can get access now at zigsecrets.com slash enroll. Well, till next time, thanks for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.